Hey everyone, thank you for joining me today. We are in day two of Luther Week 2020. We are talking about the Reformation and Martin Luther and the impact that that had on the world, the impact that he had on the world. And I am so glad that you are able to join me today. Yesterday, we got up to the point where Martin Luther was born, the world was changing, there was all kinds of problems in the world, and then uh, Martin Luther becomes a monk, becomes a priest, becomes a professor, and chooses to, to write the 95 Theses and post it on the door at Wittenberg. And so Luther posted on the door at Wittenberg, and all of a sudden it's translated into German and sent everywhere. So now everybody has... Uh, everybody has seen it and read it, and they are all excited about what Luther is trying to do. Uh, and so Luther becomes like famous over it's, it. This is literally like the first viral thing that ever went crazy, right? Uh, it's like a, a video that gets posted that obviously, you know, all of a sudden has 10 million views. That's what happened here. This thing got taken down, translated to German, printed and sent out, and then everybody was reading it. It was like it got. 10 million views right overnight. And so it took a couple of weeks back then for something to go viral, but it did. And then uh, so it, the Pope heard about it. The Archbishop heard about it. All the people heard about it. And uh, Luther all of a sudden is now kind of raised to this to this level of stardom, of, of, of stardom. So uh, what does he do with it? Then what happens next? What happens next? First of all, if you, I found this interesting. I found this kind of funny. I went on Google and I typed in Martin. I was looking for something on Martin Luther, and four Martins came up. The, the, I, so apparently, according to Google, these are the four most famous Martins in the world. Uh, Martin Luther King, who, I don't know if you know this, but he was actually born Michael Luther King, and um, his father was Michael Lutheran King, and they went on a trip to the Holy Land, and on their way back, I think they stopped in Berlin, and they were in Germany, and they learned all about Martin Luther, and so they changed their name to Martin Luther King. Uh, and so, so there's Martin Luther King. There's Martin Luther, and there's Martin Sheen, terrific actor, and Martin Lawrence, a comedian. So those are the four most famous Martins, according to Google anyway. So there you go. Okay, so so Luther posts the 95 Theses, and then what happens? Well, the church realizes they need to shut him up. They need to, they need to quiet him. He needs to stop. Uh, and so they, they contact some of his the other monks that are, that are there, some of his uh, Augustinian brothers, and they say, quiet him. Shut him up. Get him to stop. Get him to stop. And and Luther wouldn't. Luther wouldn't. And some of the some of the younger ones there agreed with him. And so there was this kind of division within the group. Uh, and so Luther, that you know, fifteen, eighteen, fifteen, nineteen, they try and get him to uh, to stop. And he says, No, I'm not going to stop. This is this is the truth. This is what the Bible says. Why would I stop? I'm not going to stop. So fifteen twenty, the Pope sends something called. The Papal Bull, the Papal Bull, which, by the way, I once used as a fantasy football name. It's a great fantasy football name, Papal Bull. Uh, but it basically, the Pope says, uh, this is the Catholic Church's official response to Luther. And they said, you either need to recant, take it back, take everything back, because over the course of 1518 and 1519, this has gone everywhere. And so now it's no longer a matter of you just need to quiet. It's you need to take it back because everyone has read it and you need to take it back. And uh, you have 60 days to do it or you will be excommunicated. You'll be thrown out of the church. You'll be fired from your job. Uh, I mean, you'll be a heretic, basically. You'll be cast out of the community. And so what does Luther do? 
he takes the document and he throws it in the fire. He's a, a rebel uh, to the core. So he uh, says, I'm not interested in that. I don't care. Throw me out of the church. Was that the worst you can do to me? So the papal bull comes, Luther throws it in the fire. What's next? There's a trial at uh, Worms, Worms. Uh, and so April 16th, 1521, Luther is called in to be on trial before the emperor, the cardinals of the church, and and all the other Catholic church officials. And all of his writings are placed on a table before him, and he was told, recant, take it all back. For here, so that we can all hear, so that for the whole world to know, take it all back. He was given a day to decide what he wanted to do. Uh, and so the next day, Luther comes up, he says, most people think he says, here I stand, for I can do no other, but this is actually what he said. He said, unless I am convicted by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. So Luther stood up to the church. Luther stood up to the Holy Roman Empire. He was the first person to stand up to the Holy Roman Empire and survive. And so in this moment, the Middle Ages ended. The medieval era ended. It was the birth of the modern world. Uh, just this one monk, this one German monk stood up to the church and said, no, said, nope, I'm not going to take it back. You have no power over me. You have no power over me when you contradict the word of God. And so um, they said, uh, well, we'll come back with our verdict in 10 days. And they gave Luther eight days to get out of town because everyone knew it was going to happen. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be branded a heretic. Everything he ever did was going to be destroyed. Uh, and he was going to be killed. He was going to be killed. So May 4th, 1521, Luther is trying to get out of town. He's trying to get back home. He's trying to get somewhere safe. And he's he's kidnapped. He's kidnapped and taken to Wartburg Castle by Duke Frederick the Wise. So he's taken to Wartburg Castle and he he's kidnapped so that he could be protected. I'm sure when he was kidnapped, he didn't realize what was going on. I'm sure he thought that he was going to be arrested and excommunicated and thrown out and killed and all that stuff. But it's a friend who... Uh, it's a friend, it's a local nobleman, it's somebody who has political power, takes Luther and hides him away. And so for the next 10 months, Luther lives at the castle and he pretends to be a knight. Uh, he spends his days writing and hunting and uh, translating the New Testament from Greek into, um, into German. And so it takes him 100 days, 100 days to translate the entire New Testament uh, into German but Luther thought that if I could translate this into German and get this into the hands of the people, they would take away the power of Rome because they would know what the Bible says. Up until now, the only thing that the only way that people knew what the Bible says was the church told them. This is what the Bible says. This is what you have to do. But if I put the if I put the Bible in their language and they can read it and I have they put it I put it in their hands, well, that'll take away all the power of the church because people will now be able to read the Bible. They can say I know what the Bible says. It's so so important. While he's doing this, there's an English guy who visits him. His name is William Tyndale. And he says, you know what I want to do? I'm going to translate the Bible into English. I'm going to translate the Bible into English. You're doing it in German. I'm going to do it in English. And so he does. And for that offense, he was burned at the stake. William Tyndale was burned at the stake because he wanted to translate the Bible into English. Think about that. Somebody wanted to give you the right to read the Bible in English. And he was burned at the stake for it. 
I hope every time you open your Bible, you realize that the Bible is available to you in your language because of courageous people who gave their life or who were willing to give their life so that you could have access to the Word of God, so that no church could have power over you, so that you could have access to read the Bible at home on your own. You didn't have to take anyone else's word for it. You didn't have to uh, just trust that what they're telling you is in the Bible, that they, were, they are giving this to you. Okay, so Luther is, Luther is kidnapped by a friend, and he's held for 10 months, uh, and he's protected for 10 months. Over the course of those 10 months and longer, the Reformation takes off. The world has obviously changed. This monk stood up to the church and survived, and things are happening all over the place. First thing that the German nationalism is really coming up, it's they're, they're, they're tired of being under the authority of the Holy Roman Empire. Peasants were tired of being oppressed and suppressed and told, you know, that this is, this is the best your life is going to be. The nobles, the people with political power, they were tired of being told what to do. They wanted independence. And Martin Luther was not a politician. He was not a political guy, but he was, he was the guy that everybody could get behind. He was the rallying cry. Let him be the leader. Let him be the figurehead, and let's all push behind him. And so you would get mobs of people who would go around, and they would destroy churches. They would destroy stained glass. Uh, monks left their monasteries, and peasants rose up. And it actually got kind of ugly. So in the spring of 1522, Luther returns, comes out of hiding, returns, and tries to restore orders. Stop. Stop this. So he, uh, he writes a pamphlet, wants peace, uh, but by the time the, what's called now is the Peasants' Rebellion was stopped, there were 70 convents, monasteries, castles burned to the ground, and 10,000 people were dead. So this was a true revolution. This was a true uh, rebellion, I guess you could say. So like a good, like a good Lutheran sermon, uh, Martin Luther made uh, three points to justify op- opposing the rebels, to say, stop doing this. You, can't, you should not be doing this. So point one, choosing violence over lawful submission to secular government. They're ignoring what Christ said to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And uh, in, he referenced also St. Paul in Romans 13, that all authorities are appointed by God and therefore should not be resisted. So that was his first point. Uh, second, he said the, the violent re- actions of the rebels, robbing and plundering, place the peasants outside of the law of God and empire. So they deserve death in body and soul, if only as highwaymen and murderers. So that's a direct quote from him. And then lastly, Luther uh, charged the rebels with blasphemy for calling themselves Christian brothers and committing their sinful acts under the banner of the gospel. So the Peasants' Rebellion kind of comes to an end, and peace is restored. Luther moves into uh, one of the buildings at Wittenberg, and and so what? now what does he do? Now what does he do? He stood up to the church. He survived. Uh, he's obviously safe where he is now, and uh, everything is happening around him, and it's the world is changing around him. So what does he do? Well, he sets out on organizing a new church, organizing a new church. So he, he does the first thing that you're supposed to do when you start a new church, right? He creates a group of people to help him, the first church council, right? The first Protestant church council. So Luther, I don't think there were elections. I think Luther just picked his friends, the ones who, uh, professors who were with him and people who thought similarly to the way he thought, and so said, come and be part of my new church. Help me create this thing. And so they, 
They created a new worship service. Uh, the first time liturgy was available in German, uh, the worship service was done now in German so that people could understand it. He wrote the large and small catechism. The large catechism is just a basic understanding of faith, and the small catechism is just kind of a, an abbreviated version of it that people could have in their homes, and he had hoped that people would go through it on a, on a daily basis and that parents would teach their children out of the small catechism. In the 1930s, he starts uh, translating the, the Old Testament into German so that the entire Bible would be available in German. And, and he finishes in 1534, uh, translating the Old Testament into German. Imagine translating the entire Bible. We think about reading the, how monumental of a task it is to read the entire Bible. Martin Luther translated the entire Bible into German. And then he wrote a bunch of hymns. He argued with a lot of people. And he wrote a lot of books. That's kind of how he spent his time. As he got older, uh, Martin Luther kind of got a little cranky. He wrote some stuff that we uh, that we like, and he wrote some stuff that we don't like. Uh, and so there's some stuff that he said that we would kind of, you know, that Martin Luther was a human being. He was sinful. Not everything he said and did should be taken as perfect. He's not, you know, none of the things he said and did should be taken as on the same level as the things Jesus said and did. He was just a human being born at the right time in the right place and had a conscience that called him to speak out against power that was uh, oppressing others and using theology and scripture to do so. So that's, uh, that's where uh, Luther was. So his personal life changed as well afterwards. In uh, 1523, he helped 12 nuns escape a convent, smuggled 12 nuns out in, in barrels that fish came in. It had to be gross. But one of them was a young nun named Katharina von Bora, uh, and they married in 1525 and had six children. Luther uh, opposed the vows of celibacy on biblical grounds, uh, but his marriage still surprised a lot of people. She was actually 15 years younger than him. He was 41. She was 26. So it's uh, so they, have, they get married. They have... Uh, six kids, and so they, they just, you know, his family grows, he's got a lot going on, and he's, you know, doing the work of starting and organizing a church. Fast forward 20 years, 1546, Luther, uh, 62 years old, starts experiencing chest pains and uh, dies that evening. So his wife, Katharina, um, I mean, I'd, I don't know how this happens, but she, after his death, she was broke, she had no money, uh, and, um, just six years later, she's thrown from her cart, uh, and after a couple months of being conscious and unconscious, she uh, she died. She was only 53 years old at the time of her death. And they still had young children. They still had children who were teenagers, so very sad, very sad. Uh, but that's the life of Martin Luther. That's what he did after he nailed the 95 Theses to the door at Wittenberg. And then part of what he did with his writings was he created the theology of a new of a new church, and so tomorrow that's what we'll look at: the theology of Luther's new church and how how that theology has has lived through to today, and how that theology has been the basis and the foundation for the faith of so many people, uh, and so how that how that theology got to got to us, you know, how it came to America, how it how it uh, changed the world, really. There are so many people around the world consider themselves Lutherans uh, because of Luther's, the- Luther's courage and Luther's theology, understanding that Luther was not a perfect person. I would imagine that if Martin Luther knew that there was a church named after him, 
he would not be happy about it. Uh, he would say that, uh, you know, why would you name anything after me? <laughs> I'm not worthy of, of any of that. So uh, I do want to say this. The Catholic Church that Martin Luther had a problem with was the Catholic Church of 500 years ago. I believe that the Catholic Church of today is a church that Luther would, wouldn't have many problems with. I think the Catholic Church has made a lot of the changes that Luther talked about and really uh, has, has become uh, a church that uh, Luther would respect and that Luther would be happy with. So just wanted to say that. Okay, we will stop there. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Take good care of yourself. See you soon.